0: Hello and welcome to another special episode of The Brave Room. As always, I'm your host, Wanamiro. We have someone very special with us today. We have the lovely Anisa Sanusi. Hello! So, we are recording this off the heels of a big news story. But as we were discussing in the pre-show, time doesn't really exist anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: no. So, we're doing a double dip into Crunch. Before, before we get into some serious talk about overwork and mental straining, how about you introduce yourself to the lovely people listening to this podcast?
1: Hello everybody, my name is Anissa Sanusi and I am a UI UX designer based in London, UK, but I'm from Petaling Jaya, Malaysia, where I study digital animation in The One Academy and yeah, kind of moved from animation to currently video games and obviously crunch is a very important topic to my heart and... There's a lot to say about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there definitely is. Before we get into that, the usual, you know, this episode hits 2000 plays. I'll have to take an audience suggestion, leave a comment, square brackets, serious suggestion, and work together, guys, because I will pick the coward option if you give me one. I should point out that we, we share an alma mater in this because we're both from the One Academy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, because we were just saying how a huge amount of the creative workforce is from the One Academy.
0: Yeah, obviously, we're not going to slander the school here. No. But having met someone who graduated from the One Academy within the within the same few years as I did, we do need to talk a bit about what they tell you in the final year of that school. Do you remember the final year of the One Academy? They, they have that professional practice course. Where they kinda of like they teach you how to get ready for the industry.
1: You have to describe it by the audience and me, because my memory is really fuzzy now. So oh, go yeah. on.
0: Okay. Not not everyone holds a grudge like I do. Okay. So <laughs> basically this this is actually a really good module because they, they teach you about like, you know, how to build a resume, how to build a show reel. And then the mm-hmm. lecturers will usually impart some wisdom unfortunately the wisdom boils down to hey expect long hours no overtime and probably weekend work <laughs> <laughs> and this was always the weirdest conversation I would have with them because I'm like dude you're one of the biggest unis in like the region You surely you have like a little bit of bargaining power to, to make that not a thing
1: <sighs> yeah it's So that's the thing, isn't it? Because a lot of the teachers in these universities and colleges, the good thing is that they have industry experience and they relay back those experiences to the students to, you know, that's basically what the module is, right? Is to mentally prepare them of what's ahead. But the problem is they're kind of perpetuating the same terrible mindset that we're not supposed to accept. You know, the whole, this is how it's been and it's going to be for the rest of your life as it was in my life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think that was that was always the most egregious part of it, wasn't it? Because they tell you this like it's a badge of honor. Mm. They're, they're like, no, everyone has to get crunched at first, and then maybe you get picked up by a good studio that treats you better. <laughs> uh,
1: that's... Uh, sorry. It's going to be a lot of me just making painful noises. Uh <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, I, it's a, a, that's a myth, isn't it? Just basically a myth, because what better company is that if none of them are held to a certain standard?
0: Yeah, and the thing I always hear is, if you go to Europe, you have it made. Because Europe has quite strict labour laws about that. I remember in university, like my Malaysian friends would complain that the lecturers would be unreachable between Friday 5pm and Monday 8am
1: oh my gosh <laughs>
0: because they, they take their work-life balance seriously there
1: yeah exactly i mean that's again it's a cultural thing isn't it so full disclosure to everybody listening my entire work experience is actually in the uk so i am very much in the camp of like uh, you know friday 5 p.m if that's my working hours don't talk to me like sure you can just email me but i'll i won't respond till monday and that's normal that is so so normal
0: yeah, it's like even even if I see it, I'm gonna act like I didn't.
1: <laughs> Mark as unread. That's what I do. <laughs> oh,
0: I keep forgetting that feature exists. I should I should do that more. But yeah, I know like there's a certain stereotype about people like us who you know have had the privilege of going overseas and seeing this this stuff firsthand, coming home and being like, oh, the system sucks here. So I, yeah. I just want to let our listeners know we're aware of this. Yes, And we will continue to use this position of privilege to criticise a big problem with the industry.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to kind of lay this out from the get-go is that we're not here to, again, slander the differences of culture of Western and Eastern, you know, the work culture around that. Like, I don't think Westerners do everything better. Definitely not. There's a lot of things that Malaysians should be proud of. But one of the things that obviously we want to be better at is the work-life balance and at the moment we need to shift the cultural thinking of this in a sense that like it's not okay you know okay now we're just going to go straight into the whole issue which is a lot of studios in malaysia just by the nature of it are outsourcing studios right so you're basically a studio of freelancers that work for studios in in the west from japan from korea or what have you and because of where we are in southeast asia we, by default like by you know the currency exchange it's just so much cheaper our labor is so much cheaper here than it is and in the other parts of the world
0: yeah definitely and i'm just gonna take a quick moment to promote something here because i recently wrote a piece about this as well mm. and since we're talking about something cross-culturally we need to dispel some kind of racist stereotypes that exist naturally that not many people have brought up which is the idea of you know we are the non-Western part of the world who didn't know we were being exploited like this, really.
1: <laughs> I think everybody knows that's the thing. It's, but uh, it's it's because like there's no alternative. So we're kind of stuck with this one path. And that is, to me, just mind-boggling. It shouldn't be this way.
0: It absolutely shouldn't. And the, the reason I brought that up was because a lot of the articles that do talk about this make it sound like they give foreign studios an out, is what I'm saying. they would be like, oh, did you know the outsourcing studios you hired do mad crunch? I'm like, of course they know. That's probably why they hired them in the first place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of, what we're going to talk about today definitely is covered in the now, I'm hoping, quite famous video by People Make Games, whose host, Chris Bratt, is actually a friend of mine, and he actually came to me to ask for feedback on the video. So I give him my thoughts and I critique a few bits to make sure that he got it right. And I think he touched upon a lot of very good points, very strong points. And in that video, he did say that based on the interviews with previous and current workers of some of the studios here in Malaysia, what... The AAA studios, and the bigger studios, care about is just numbers, right? Like, how much can you do? How many percentage can you go up? And how can you keep the cash, the outgoing cash, lower? So to them, it's just a numbers game. Like, they don't see people in those numbers. And when you flip that view on the other side, one person in the interview in that video mentioned that, well, that extra 5% is an extra two weeks of my life. And his life or her life It's time away from family, time away from friends. And we all know now, especially in the huge global pandemic like currently, that shows you exactly why it's important. And it really pains to see that their time here on this earth is being shortened for a margin, a 5% margin for a bigger company in the West that don't even know who these people are.
0: Yeah, definitely. We also do get a lot of like the supposed business side arguments of this which is like well would you rather a video game take five years between announcement and release I mean like dude we spent most of the 2010s like hearing about cyberpunk and that's barely <laughs> out that's the first game yep. ever that came out and then hit Control z <laughs>
1: yeah it's like <laughs> that that's the thing isn't it it's like Does it matter if you have to wait a little bit longer for a product to come out? Because what's the cost, right? What is the cost of making a certain product? At the moment, like their cost is time, money, you know, people, I guess, but they don't see the human cost of it. Like, again, time lost, energy lost, burnout. You know what? Burnout is a huge issue. Where you could technically push yourself for a good two, three weeks, months even. Like some studios crunch for months. And what they don't talk about is the aftermath of that. Like you literally take months, make sometimes years to recover from that period of your life. If you again take that into a into a scope of like time spent with family or doing things that you love and doing things that could, you know, make you a better artist, a better person. That is time lost on just recovering. And for what? To get a video game out two months early. Pisses yeah. me off.
0: Yeah, and would you talk about it like it's it's definitely a systemic problem as well, right? Like everyone thinks that, oh no, it's the one bad guy studio that's doing this, you know? The bad guy studio is tricking all these poor outsource studios. And it's like, dude, no, there is no big bad guy here you need to defeat.
1: <laughs> there is, yeah. I would say like the big bad is definitely the system and our current system is capitalism right and it is a current <laughs> that's the issue of i'm not going to go to like <laughs> For anyone listening, it's not like I'm being all like, yeah, we should all be commies. No, we can still Don't critique. Cap- <laughs> <laughs> we should still critique the system. Oh gosh, I remember some. Like I remember being really frustrated at this, and I was like, the system's broken. Like if this is what's happening, the system is broken. And one of my friends, without missing a beat, he was like, actually, the system is working exactly as intended. And that hit me so hard in the heart, thinking like, ah. Oh, no you're right like it is working it is generating the income the capitalist income but at you know at the cost of laborers and it's going to the pockets of who you know it's not just studio owners it's the stockholders shareholders it's people in suits up top that is basically look again looking at the numbers wow video games is profitable how can we make more of this how can we capitalize on this how
0: how can number go up yeah As
1: video gamers, we all know, like, when number goes up, that's a good thing. We like that.
0: (laughs) One thing we should bring up, though, is... Again, it's easy to do this to criticize a big publisher. Because Mm -hmm. we know by their own admission that there is a suit up top there buying his second yacht for the year. Only his second yacht of the year. Can you imagine the state of things? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The poor soul. The poor soul. Second yacht of the year. But... In the case of Malaysian outsource studios, that's not always the case, you know. In, like your friend Chris Brad said, you know, for a lot of them, they're worried about this is how you keep the lights on. Yeah. This is the game you have to play.
1: Yeah. The nature of my work, which is direct design, is that a lot of what we preach is empathy, right? You need to kind of put yourself in the shoes of other people because the games that we make tend to not be the games that we want to play ourselves, right? Like, we're creating it for the players. And if I were to put myself in the shoes of studio owners, especially the ones based in Malaysia, they're in a very tight spot themselves, you know? Like, there's a lot of different factors in play here. So, number one, they do have pressure from up top. By up top, I mean other studios who are paying into their accounts to make sure that they can keep the lights on. to that, to make sure that they can keep going, this business going. And, you know, from the sheer amount of studios in Malaysia, which by the way isn't a lot. There's so there's such a limited amount of them. Like if any one of them goes bust, that is like a weak link in the Malaysian games industry as a whole, you know? So we as an industry, all of us, we want everybody to thrive. Like criticizing a company doesn't mean we want them to fail. We just want them to be better at what they're doing. And it's tough for them because again, like how can they they can't really push back, right, to the bigger studios because they know for a fact that another studio will undercut them and business will just go elsewhere. Doesn't even have to be a studio in the same country. It might be literally in any other country in Southeast Asia, right? Like where as a region, we are at a disadvantage already. And it sucks. So okay, that's one part. And the second part is the whole, this is how it's always been. So this is how we're going to be continuing it. In that crisp act, video there was a a few bits about like whatsapp messages that sent to like the employees and how some of the bosses were kind of pitting the employees against each other and i'm just like you know i'm trying to empathize with you mr boss person or boss lady like that is definitely not the way to go like you're literally again you're not seeing the employees as people you're seeing them as (laughs) As a machine machine yeah yeah
0: that that was definitely the most like horrific part of that video, hearing about the whatsapp thing. First of all, just the idea of everyone in the company being in a group chat is uh, inc- Blah. Yeah.
1: Blah. <laughs> That Bleh! That was my reaction. I was like, no, this is so
0: unprofessional. It's terrible. Aside from that, there's also like, it's the idea of like, pitting people against each other like that is kind of sus. Like you... there's no way you can spin that to be the good guy
1: no and i'm not i'm definitely not defending that at all but it's also like it's it's a power play right it's a power play in a smaller scale like the bigger studios that are doing their outsourcing like they know they have the brand they know they have the recognition of, like literally millions of players all over the world right they're like oh we are the brand that does this game that everybody knows so where by you know bare minimum we're gonna hit x amount of sales like they know that they know that people are gonna use their brand as a huge portfolio piece in their CVs, in their portfolios, you know? So they have no shortage of people coming up to them being like, hey, we can do the work for you, you know, hire us, give us the money. And on a smaller scale, and locally, these student managers, they know for a fact that all of these young, bright, bright-eyed kids they want to work in the in the games industry because they literally grew up playing all the video games like that's what we are like the the nerd culture in malaysia is so strong like we consume this and we want to be part of the creative force and in malaysia specifically i don't know what it is like in other countries but you know like <laughs> like i said most people go through well known art colleges like the one academy and it's like we're, we've been trained from the one academy to to become like factory workers that just output high quality assets you know high quality art and this is the thing like it's it's almost it's a very asian mindset right like you practice you practice you practice but you don't necessarily create anything particularly original you know you become again outsources (laughs) and to me that's the issue Partially, the issue in a sense that, like, there's literally nowhere to go for these creative people. They have the talent, they definitely do, and they have the drive. Like, it's the most human thing to want to be creative and to want to make something that represents you and what you want to share to the world, right? But where are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Like, telling people just go indie, do you know, create your own studio? Like, with what money? It's so difficult. It is so difficult. Only not even, not even just in Malaysia. Like this is an issue no matter where you are in the world. Like the people who start companies tend to be the people who benefit from capitalism because they have capital. They have the money to start studios. They have investors. They have connections. You know they can take risks. Like time and time again, there's a lot of studies out there showing that the people who are the most successful tend to come from a certain bracket of people who are already wealthy, or at least people who are wealthy enough that if they do fail. They don't. <laughs> it's not the end of the world for them, yeah, right? They, they, they can, can start again. The cyberpunk. Exactly. So it's it's unfair on these creative workers to tell them, again, like, oh, you don't like this? This is what the bosses do, right? Like, if you don't like it, quit, la and that's just such a that's such a terrible mindset like i hear it when people do that with not even just video games like even with say oh you know malaysia is so bad like you know this is not so bad and they go like oh leave her and it's like no that's not that's not what we're trying to get at like we need to recognize the faults yeah, so you, that you we can, can want fix things them to
0: be better like mm-hmm. it, it's all right to want things to be better
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, <laughs> it's funny you should say that because yeah as much as we wish it wasn't like you know the business side of making a video game is part of making a video game it's not something that someone tacked on because you know under the current system time is actually money so Mm -hmm. you need to be in like an extreme position of privilege to be allowed to have time to do something that doesn't make money yes so you know it's one of those things where like surely I don't have the answer here you know
1: no two random person in the podcast will, won't have all the answers but <laughs> well, someone
0: should tell that to Joe Rogan <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god
0: that's uh, we'll, we'll slander him another day <laughs> so basically what we're getting at is because you know I have spoken to some people who say that you know at the end of the day the studio should be able to decide what's more important you know your portfolio or your workers and it's a very nice sentiment and I 100% agree with him but also like it's like you said if you eventually like if I don't take this job someone else will (laughs) and you know if this keeps going on like you know this compounds on itself and in three months my lights are gonna be off and you know anyone I drag with me probably isn't going to be able to support their family so (laughs) I don't know why they're still working here
1: it's yeah so estimating how much work needs to be done and how much man hours that needs to be done to complete that work is something that is very difficult to do like anybody who's ever worked in any video game ever will be like there's this thing where we have to estimate our tasks and we it goes very granular, right? Like even down to the point where like, okay, we need to create this one asset. How many hours will it take? How many days will it take? And then producers will take those, you know, they count how many days and then they have like a nice spreadsheet that shows, okay, it will take us X amount of months to finish this thing. So that is like the bare bone of any production. When it scales up to a bigger team, It gets a little bit jumbled up in the sense that, like, you need to account for unforeseen matters, right? So the unforeseen things are always sickness, time away, I don't know, national global pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. So what the, the issue right now is people aren't being honest with the hours. I'm sure the workers are being honest and they'll be they're being like, okay, this is gonna take me like two weeks to, to do this in this quality that you want me to do it at, right? But the, the managers, they're just like they're kind of cutting that into half and being all like, okay, so you can still do you can do that in one week if you just stay at the office for for you know forever. <laughs> then we can we can finish two weeks worth in, in one week. And then they report back that to, you know, whoever that's met that's contracting them and be like my team did this in a week you know so any any more that you want me to do this is how it's going to be and that is just so dishonest and the thing is if you're an outsource manager like if this is literally your job like you know that you've done this multiple times surely you would know that something like this wouldn't take this long or you know it should take a little bit longer like do they at what part of that negotiation of the contracts and hours and I don't know what goes on behind that like I'm not saying that I know exactly what happens because I have never done this but I just wonder do they ever ask you know like do they ever do checks like well, welfare checks that's such an official term but it's just like you know <laughs> I think it's you, a hu- it's a really good indicator that someone cares right like are you sure that this is enough time like how many people are I don't want you to work overtime on this
0: I was going to say like you can trust corporate megastructures to make how are you, buddy, a corporate question. It's I'm not asking how you are, I'm doing a welfare check. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so when we're discussing, like, ours, the thing that comes back is always, like, oh, okay, I have a huge distaste for the things that Elon Musk tweets, and one oh, of yeah, his okay, tweets we'll- has-
0: We're on Elon Musk now? Okay, cool. Hold on.
1: (laughs) Because he tweeted, like, nothing great was ever created at 40 hours a week or some incredible shit like that. And it's so, again, the whole like putting a badge on honor on overworking, burnout. And, you know, the whole hustling mentality. Like, you always have to constantly go, go, go. Like, if you do anything less than that, it means you're not passionate. It means you don't care about your craft. I, like... We're human! (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) We need to sleep. We need to eat. We need, like... We have, have, like, a finite amount of energy. And I don't mean energy in the sense of, like, getting up, you know, driving to work, coming back. No, like, creative energy. Emotional energy.
0: I I would argue, like... That does count stuff like driving because between like working from home and working to office, there is like a recovery time from having to drive back and forth.
1: Yeah, again, this is whole I'm completely blaming this on the capitalist system that we live under. The whole eight hour working day and you know five day working week. It's to maximize production. Our quality of life has risen so much since the industrial age. Like by logic, we should be working less and you know having the same amount of output. But no, we're working more and making less for ourselves, but the output is a lot. you know the like, oh gosh, like reading headlines of how billionaires have profited over the pandemic. <laughs> it's like, how did they do that, right? Literally off the worker's back.
0: Clearly, they picked themselves up by their bootstraps and then.
1: (laughs) So hardworking. Did you you see that
0: photo of Beth Jesus on the conveyor belt moving boxes by himself?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, we have conferences, right, where video game companies would come around and we talk to each other. And I remember this person who was the head of his company and he was boasting at the fact that they do overtime or something like that because they were saying like they have a bit of math going back right they're just saying like oh, okay so imagine yourself as a worker you come in you take 10 minutes to set up your computer to make coffee and then suddenly you're catching up with your colleagues over the weekend. Like, you know, how was your weekend? You know, that's the 10 minutes down the drain. And then you sit on your computer and you watch YouTube. So, like, how many hours is wasted that, right? So, we're just taking back the lost hours from workers being naturally lazy. And I, my brain just shut off at that point. I'm just like, bruh, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I...
0: I, I hope that's a direct quote, by the way, that whole reclaim the lost hours, because that's... Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> it is so terrible. It's because, like... Okay, number one, why are you hiring, quote-unquote, lazy people in the first place? Then that's just, like... That's your well, your that, that's problem new, of hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and number two, time talking to colleagues is bad. Like, creating... Like, the people that you spend all of those hours with, like... You're not supposed to be friends with them. Okay, that's cool. And then <laughs> going back home to just to shower and then coming back here is like, oh, so that's cool with you? Okay, like it, it doesn't, it, it boggles the mind. And where does this distrust this of your employee comes from? I, I don't get that. Like, because jobs are so hard, like, the, any job seeker will tell you just how hard it is to get a job, right? Like, they put their best foot forward and when you get one like you do try the best okay maybe i'm very optimistic like obviously not everybody is super like passionate and hardworking. some people might need a bit more motivation but bare minimum like a lot of people do want to do their best especially if it's a an industry of passion like video games or any creative industry like we're here because we want to be and there's this dangling carrot of like you know you should be grateful that you're in the industry look at all these other people who couldn't get a job in the industry you know so why would you treat them like as if they would slack off if they do slack off if they do have a lack of motivation then there's i can assure you if you spend more than five minutes just talking to them like like a human being to another human being they will tell you what is wrong and the best companies that i've worked at care about your, your mental health care about your emotional health and they want to help you in that regard so that when when it is time for you to perform at work, you are performing 110% because you are refreshed, you are energized, you you are not worrying about your next paycheck, you're not worrying about not eating right, you know, you're not worrying about all the other things that would contribute to a worker feeling unmotivated at work.
0: Yeah, definitely. We do need to wrap up soon, but there's one more thing that you kind of talked a bit on, but let's get into it a bit more. It's the idea of the lazy employee. It's because you know, there's this great David Mitchell skit where he says like you know every party that wants to come into power says we'll always just find more money by eliminating waste. There's this big pile of waste that you know, we'll just reduce waste to zero. same thing same thing as what you said about the employees, you know it's we'll just make sure that all eight hours are eight working hours and it's like, you're not gonna do that, buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so it, this is the thing. Like, it frustrates me when people put this kind of logic onto humans. Like, humans are not logical. As in, literally, anything could affect someone's performance, right? Like, it's common knowledge that everybody has good days and everybody has bad days. Like, some good days, you're smashing through all your tasks. You're just creating the best work. You're so like inspired. You know, you're you're on a roll as they say and when you have bad days like you're supposed to account for that like nobody's gonna be at 100% all the time in fact if you're working at 100% all the time that is that is burnout
0: that just means that you've been working at 100% every day so far
1: (laughs) exactly like you're meant to lower that down to 40% on some days and then higher again 60% on other days and you know what 80% 75% I think that's a really nice like level where you're not you're still producing good work but you're not you're not emptying your tank right and it's When you say eight hours a day, like sure, you do have to count like, okay, how how much, how many hours is that is literally just talking to people because any manager or any like anyone who manages a team will tell you like 80% of their job is talking to people is communicating is checking on your team, you know, and 20% of that is literally actually sitting on a desk creating work. Whereas if you're an artist or something, it could be flip side where 80% of your time is doing the work and 20% is communicating. But you know, you can't just see that as like eight hours of full on you glued to your desk, typing, creating, clicking here and there. Like that doesn't make sense at all. Like we are so much more complex than that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh man, you you just like turned the key on something in my in my head, which is you know that that personal guilt you put on yourself if you think yeah. that you maybe you checked your phone a second too long and you're like oh man. It's too...
1: Yeah, and it's like. Okay, let's say, you know, you're in the office and you're walking past your colleague and he's on his phone. Like, would your first thought be like, Oh, you're slacking off? Like, we need to shed this thought process because what if he's checking his phone because, you know, he needs to text his wife that he's, you know, oh sorry, like you need to pick me up, the kids, you know, on the way back, da da da. Like we have lives. Like our phones are literally our life now. Like we, we do so much through that. Like you can't think of technology as being part of slacking off like if you see okay let's say you see someone browsing uh, a website to buy something like is that slacking off or is that they're just taking five minute break because in fact they've been concentrating for like 50 minutes before that and that's a long time by the way like 50 minutes of full concentration that tires you out even like the pomodoro technique tells you to do it 25 minutes of concentration and then five minute break so if someone's done a whole hour let them have a 20 minute break you know
0: oh man yeah
1: We, i don't think we've touched a lot on the systemic issues of like how can studio heads or managers do better but and we talk a lot about you know as workers what do we prioritize you know time health family things like that and i feel like people up top up, they forget they forget that you know they remember those things for themselves but they forget that those are also important to literally anyone else that is working underneath you
0: i mean because it's hard for us to talk about it on an administrative level because I don't know, unless you're hiding the badge that says CEO of Project Red on your blazer, <laughs> uh, I don't think either of us run studios. <laughs> no. The, the only thing we're really qualified to talk about is the worker-side experience of it.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I don't agree with some where it's always been that way. It doesn't mean it has to. This is the power of young people, I would say. like They learn so quick, you know, and we shouldn't be passing down bad habits or bad ideals
0: yeah definitely it's just like you had it rough we agree we agree that you Mm -hmm. that when you started out you had it rough that doesn't mean that you know little timmy over here starting his new job as an in-between animator has to do it too like technology's advanced (laughs) exactly
1: and obviously there's a balance where you don't want somebody to become spoiled but at the same time like why would you be so unbearably hard on someone based on that fear that is kind of weird like again why would you hire somebody that you, you wouldn't trust to be able to perform but like just basing off my own experiences with companies some of them did ask for crunch some of them are paid some of them are not and my current company it's a policy of zero crunch and in in effect like it's the opposite where they remind people to not work more than they're supposed to like that is literally a thing i've been told multiple times like could you could you not and i'm just like oh sorry i'm sorry like I, i literally just i wanted to get this in by next week because i really wanted to because i was really enjoying it you know when you rabbit hole into a task that you love and i think That is something special that happens and it's great when it does like you know that's that's what people talk about when they say like you know you you just naturally spend more hours on something you love doing but when companies treat that as a given like you're supposed to be that way all the time like no (laughs) what (laughs) it's still a job it's still a business you know
0: (laughs) i gotta ask though when you have those moments do you ever like have the thought in your head that's just like, I am a class traitor right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Honestly, no, because I love I love video games. I love I love making it. I love my craft. And the, the reason I don't feel bad is because my boss actually tells me off for it. He's just like, could you not? <laughs> I we want you to feel rested because if you overwork yourself this week, then you're not gonna be in good health next week and we need you on all the time you know so it's, it's about energy management and i think that's good management that you're motivating people who are unmotivated and people who are spending way too much time to the detriment of their own health you're telling them to pull back a little bit so that they have time to recover because this goes with any kind of work not just like your day job but especially people who have a lot of like extracurriculars you know like people who do advocacy work outside of their main job they have ngos nonprofits, you know they volunteer all these people like the way that i think it's a form of validation like they want to help people that's how they validate themselves someone always needs to tell them like look you are no good to us if you burn out and then you have to take like two three months away from the industry that's like months of your creative output that in the industry is starved off and the best way for you to you know to be the best that you can be is to manage your time now so that you can keep going at a steady pace you know it's a marathon it's not a sprint
0: yeah yeah it's definitely the best way to describe it and with that apt marathon comparison i think we have an episode <laughs> Unless there's, <laughs> unless there's anything anything else you'd like to throw in
1: if the people who are listening in if you're malaysian or if you're just someone from southeast asia I just want you to be brave. You know, it's difficult to go up to your bosses. I know, I know uh, I shouldn't be saying this because I work in an English company, but...
0: Again, fully aware of our own privilege here.
1: Yeah, I'm very aware of my privilege, but at the same time, it's because of this that I want you to also have the same experience, you know, where I want you to enjoy your work. I want you to be able to tell, you know, the previous generation that, you know, this shouldn't be how it always be. And you are the present. And people who are coming into the industry, they look up to you. And do you want them to go through what you're going through now? Like it's a shared responsibility. I think that everybody needs to to be aware of the human, a very true human cost that we're overworking ourselves to death for video games.
0: <laughs> God, it was, when. When you remember that this is all for video games, you can you can turn it either ways. Like on one hand you can say, think about it, you're working all this for near automata, you know, this amazing game about, you know, being nice to each other and stuff, or you could say like, Can you imagine you're working all these hours for like, I don't know, what's a really crappy video game? Uh, Cyberpunk, yeah, let's let's throw that under the bus one more time.
1: Yeah, it's rough, you know, because like, no matter how big or small your video game is, you want to be proud of it. And I think everybody should be proud of their work. But that pride is taken away when you know that you've lost so much in the process. You know, like, I feel really, really bad for people who work on Cyberpunk wanting to make the, the, you know, the next big game, but they lost hours of their life, of time with their family, uh, of just recovery and it's hard for you to feel pride when you're just tired right if you're exhausted you can't feel anything
0: else that's definitely the thing anyways thank you so much for coming on the show
1: thank you for having me i hope that was all right <laughs> cuz i tend to ramble a lot and i I, really, I i don't tend to have a point i just go on and on so i hope i hope people liked that and i i and fair, thank you for having me on
0: to be fair though i think it's it's great because we've really talked about it more on a ground level because i think a lot of people mm. try to go for you know the god level of this is damaging to your mental health everyone has is having and we're just here talking about it as two people you know in the industry
1: yeah and we're all people like where we are literally just normal people like The industry isn't compromised of studios, of video games. The industry is compromised of the people in it creating those things. You know, without the people, none of these things would exist at all. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So this has been another episode of The Brave Room. If people wanted to hear more of your great takes, where could they find you?
1: I am very active on Twitter at Studio Anisa and you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok on the same handle at Studio Anisa.
0: Yeah I'd, I could never get over hearing TikTok being used as a legitimate platform to me to me it will always be <laughs> you know silly 17 year olds doing challenges stuff
1: Don't expect much from my TikTok. There's absolutely nothing in it, but... It's there. (laughs) It's there, you know? It's a different side of me. It's usually me doing some kind of blind reaction to a sound that is funny. (laughs) I like those. Those are fun.
0: They, They are fun. On the rare instance of me pimping something, don't forget to check out my article where I also spoke to more industry people about the whole current situation in Malaysia. Like, definitely give that a read. And as always, if this episode hits 2000 plays, I will be forced to do one of your suggestions. So don't forget to leave a suggestion, square brackets, serious suggestion. And again, seriously, make it a good one. Don't give me something lame like, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite movie? Shape of Water. There, done. Top, topic answer. <laughs> this has been The Brave Room. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.